0: To the voters, thank you, to the voters and the boat drivers. Excellent. Excellent, love it. It appears the Lord is wanting to keep us in a continual state of dependency. He uses the natural to uh, point to the greater need spiritually that we are at God's mercy for, for the way and a provision, um, physically, <laughs> naturally, spiritually. So with that, today, um, let's approach the service in faith, uh, hearts open, and just, um, behold, I will do something new in the earth, in the earth. Now that will come forth to pass. Will you be aware? He, that was a song we used to sing. Uh, sing um, when I first came into the body, but it's still true. And he he he's doing something new, and, and uh, let's open our hearts and our minds. We don't know what that is. We just know that the answer and the provision and the way that he's providing for us may come through unlikely sources in, in an unnatural way or some, some other way than what we're looking for. So, Lord, you, we do confess our need today, Lord. We confess our, our, our dependency upon you, Lord. And God, our eyes are upon you, Lord. We don't look elsewhere today, Lord. We, we look to you, Father. We thank you for that provision for each need in our midst. In Jesus' name, amen. Gather. Give me
1: that is sick and she been having a chemotherapy treatments and, and at the same time my older sister was coming to see her and my younger sister was also coming around the same time I was going to be there so I wanted to be there with them and, Obviously, the reason they were going, the same reason I was going also to see my sister, to see how she was doing. I Also wanted to, the weekend, be with the brethren there in Juarez. there's a group there, and I wanted to be with them at the meeting, and then go on to the farm ahead of time, uh, or the convention to help them out with the with the preparations and then be at the convention. But I also wanted to um, tell them that, uh, and that was probably one of the most difficult things you do yeah. when you say goodbye to somebody. Yeah. And how do, you explain, yeah. how do you explain that after, I've been at that, uh, at that group since I was a very young boy and then uh, I was on the farm before the farm began. We went there to see the land and to make a deal with the owner. And I've been with them through, uh, all those years and now you're going to tell them that, what are you going to tell them? How do you, how do you say goodbye? Probably one of the hardest things we do in life. And how do you do it in a friendly way? You know, when you have conflicts and and arguments and, then you sort of guess something is going to happen. But when you do that, and they're always thinking you're coming back, it's a whole different issue. How do you explain, well, you know what, after all these years of coming and going, finally, I feel God has sent me there. How do you do that? How are the other side is going to react to it? How are they going to receive it? And then after that, I have to, but I needed to do it, I had to do it. And not not only to the elders, but also to the people, tell them, you know, this is what's happening. And I remember also that when some of the families left earlier, uh, our children were small, and they couldn't understand why the best friend was going somewhere else. Children always wondering what's happening, you know. So I wanted to also let the children and and the young folks that we were Parting ways in a friendly way, but but still. And then I I had to uh, go through uh, some of our things, and I kept thinking of Abraham. I think we minimize, or we probably don't understand exactly what it means when when he said that the Lord told him to go, and he went. But uh. Also there are two things there because the next chapter he says when he's speaking to Abraham he said, I'm the one that took you out of the earth of the Chaldeans. And so did he go or he was she sent? I mean what part did he play? So did I come here or was I sent? And how do you explain that? How do you explain, was it my decision to come? Or was Him leading me, unknowingly to me? Has that happened to you before? So we got a God that sometimes does not tell you exactly what He's going to do while He's doing it. And you are thinking that He's going to do something that he's not doing. And you end up in a a place where you didn't plan to go, but he always planned that to do that. But how do you explain that to the other person you are living So it wasn't easy to do so. And then to see things that you have accumulated for 30 years and to decide what do you say to take 4,000 miles away and by the time you get there you have paid more for that thing than the work of it. you know that's a tiring task? Just to look at the things and say what do I do? So what I did I kept Take the pictures and send them up here and up to Naples and up to Guatemala. What do we do with this? Yeah. Do we keep it? Do we save it? Do we get rid of it? That was tiring. Yeah. At the same time, I was there to help them to get the place ready to for convention. Now the convention, I've been there since the beginning as I said, and because of my position at that convention, I always open the, the convention, I always close the meetings, I always open the meetings, and I always close the convention. But now I have declared, I'm not there. And so I have to take a backseat now I never spoken at that convention never because our our uh, custom our habit was that we receive the ministry from the outside and the convention is for the outside ministry to speak (coughs) not for the locals to speak so I never had spoken there but now Brother David is the only minister there for that convention and he said, I'm not speaking in those five meetings. <laughs> and I said, so? He said, so? Uh, I, think, I think you need to help. I told him I wasn't too sure about that. And then, I had had my notes, and when he spoke at at one of the meetings, he read all my notes. (laughs) And I said, Brother David, I don't think I'm, I think I'll just wait, see what happens. So it was an interesting time. While I was going through our things, I kept thinking of, you know, when you go through the things, a lot of memories come. We're good accumulating things. And uh, I keep thinking about Abraham, and I keep thinking about the two different things that it appears from many scriptures that he was very faithful that he obeyed And that as soon as the Lord told him to go ahead and do it, he did it. And then you read all the parts where he says he didn't do it, that God was doing it. And also kept thinking that his father is actually the one that started that journey. And then they stopped. And then he came up and picked it up when the Lord spoke to him. And I, I kept thinking about those children there at the farm. And also, about the young people and the children here that somehow they have to pick up a part of this journey. And it will be different. And we see about Abraham, it doesn't say anything about his father, what he had, but it does tell us that Abraham became rich. And so he, at least, naturally speaking, he carried the, the journey further. And you'll have to admit, and I, I speak as somebody that has not known you for a long time. But also, I have seen that uh, the 40-year-olds, the 45-year-olds have carried, naturally speaking, the businesses further than the older generation did. And now they are the ones that bring in the income. And then you have the younger ones. And what is their jobs going to be like? But somehow, history tells us that as the older generation is passing away, somebody has to come up. Yet, it's not speaking about natural things. It's speaking about spiritual things. And so, you can be very successful naturally speaking, but that doesn't mean the vision has been carried forward. No. So somebody's going to have to pick up the spiritual burden and carry it further. As some of us uh, are ending our journey. So there's a great challenge there. Not in the natural, but in the spiritual realm. Some of you younger ones will have to pick up the burden. Mm -hmm. And once again, the only way to do that is if God does it. Just like the first one did it, just like Mm -hmm. Abraham's father did it, then somebody will comes and has to pick that up. Mm -hmm. I also, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but, very interesting that when they stopped, when uh, Terah, Abraham's father, stopped, it says they, uh, they settled there. Uh, the last parts of, uh, of the 11th chapter of Genesis, said so they just settled there and stopped there. And uh, I kept thinking, why did they stop? Did they got to a comfortable place? You know that as you prosper, you got to be careful, because then you once become your needs. And so what you didn't have before, now you have to have. And you know, we keep, uh, I keep hearing that hard times are coming, uh, but you know, hard times have come to a, a lot of people in the world already. I don't want to tire you out with stories about Mexico, but some of our brethren, like the ones in Juarez, living cities that are very violent. And every day you are exposed to, Terrible things. Most of our people have, have not suffered that, but have seen it. And some of their relatives have suffered. But most of our people haven't, by God's grace. But when you talk about those things, uh, I wonder, well, are we really ready for that? When uh, you're so comfortable when uh, you once become your needs and then you you feel entitled to those things and if hard times are coming then what are we doing about it now obviously that's a hard question and a difficult to answer because You cannot do anything physically speaking. Like uh, back in those days, uh, a brother was taking uh, showers uh, with cold water and asking him, what's the reason for that is I'm getting ready for Alaska. (laughs) You cannot do those things. No, the only preparation is is spiritual. So you cannot decide tomorrow okay i'm not going to to enjoy these things any longer i'm going to start taking cold showers it won't do <laughs> nothing physically will do and so when when this fellow stopped uh, i wonder if uh, they got too comfortable there and I, I'm reminded of that. Uh, I don't know if Gabe read this last time, but in Numbers 21, in the fourth verse, it says that they, they get very, they got tired of going around said in the soul of the people became very discouraged on the way. So notice that they're on the way. They were not going astray. They were not, uh, I mean, they're on the way. They're right on the way, but in the way, on the way, they got discouraged. You know, sometimes we get discouraged <laughs> on the way. But then there was a problem there They spoke against God and against Moses. And they said, What have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no food and no water and our soul loathes this worthless bread. So we're not happy with the provision. And then uh, he said, The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people and they bit the people and many of the people of Israel died Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. So Moses prayed for the people, and this is what the Lord said to him. Make a fiery serpent, set it on a pole, and it shall be that every one who is bitten when he looks at it, at it shall live so Moses made a bronze serpent and put it on a pole and so it was if a serpent had bitten anyone when he looked at the bronze a bronze serpent he lived and so not trying to uh, uh, discern everything that this means let's just say that there was something that he did to save them from their own murmuring their own complaining But now if you go to to the book of Kings, Second Kings, the eighteenth chapter. You know what it says there, people have read it before. talking about Hezekiah, the king. This is hundreds of years after what we just read. Third verse is, and and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. He removed the high places and broke the sacred pillars, cut down the wooden image, and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days, the children of Israel burnt incense to it and call it Nehushtan, which it means either a god, a Canaanite goddess, a Canaanite goddess, or a bronze thing. And so what happened is that something that was good, something that came from God, now has become an idol, and they have to destroy it. And so I wonder if that's one of the reasons they stopped. They stopped because they have made idols of the things that at the beginning were given by God. And so we must be careful with that because it's very difficult to change. Actually, for older, us that are older, it's almost impossible to change. Yeah. Because we have seen God move in a certain way, and we believe that's the way it had to be all the time. But it isn't, because God is changing. Now, the other day, Sister Ann spoke about some things that you did long, long time ago, <coughs> and, and that now you, you wonder why you didn't. But I, I want to tell you that you can only do what you know at that time. Right. Right. You cannot judge that, because if somebody would have come and tell you, no, you don't do that, you do this, you wouldn't have believed it, because you were not at the place the other person was when it comes to tells you that. You do what you do, because that's what you do at that point, at that place. And it's okay. But what is not okay is to remain there. Now, it will be hard to be doing that now when God is not saying to do that because you have grown. So, the Lord cannot request of us to do things we're not able to do at that time because we are not at that measure yet. In the same way, there are many things that require of us that we're not there yet. And so, sometimes we expect somebody to do something that he cannot do because he's not there yet. And so there are many things in my life that I cannot do, even though I do believe them, I cannot do because I'm not there yet. Now those of you that are old timers, you heard Brother Sam said a lot of things. And those things, either we didn't understand them or were just unable to do it at that time. But now we see it and we said, yeah, that's what he was talking about. He was looking ahead. And so the job of the minister, and this is also for the younger ones, is for the minister to see a far, what's coming, to see far away. And that also is a difficult thing to do unless God is with you. You cannot see what's coming ahead. And so, That's quite a challenge for you younger folks. And for us to not to remain there. You see that serpent was their salvation. (coughs) They would look up at it and they were healed. But then they made an idol out of it. They said this is our God. Do you have any gods? He said, this is the way to go. We have to go. And God is not there any longer. Mm -hmm. The first year that we were there at the farm, in Mexico, brother John Clark came. And he said, sadly enough, I don't (coughs) think we did that. But I know it was the Lord spoken to him. He said, there are some things that are absolutes and those will always be there with you. Now many things are relative. And every year you have to check it out and see if that relative thing still applies or not. We didn't do it. You know, you you get set on your ways and you said this is the way to go, and there's no other way. And guess what? Sometimes God uses something just for a short while and then he's done with it. And then what do you do? Do you keep it? And further than that, do you make an aisle out of it? And you say, this is, this is how we do things here. Have you ever heard that phrase? This is how we be move here. This is how we do things here. Well, is God still there, or not? I mean, it worked once, but it's still working or not? And the danger there in the beginning of of this his history about Abraham is that they stop. They they remain there, and God had come has to come and call another fellow to follow and finish the journey. And so, perhaps some things that were overriding right this fellowship and this move of God are not right any longer. And the only way to find that out is to come before the Lord and say, is this still working or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you still here or not? Is this order, is this way to move this manner of speaking, are you still there?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> Otherwise, you and I will not change because we don't have the power to do so. This is the way we do things here, and that's it. It's my way or the highway. And some of our places have died. I suspect they just settled down. And I don't want to be a hard judge because that's not my my place. But you also have to discern things and ask questions. So he had to call somebody else. Now, in the in chapter fifteen, there's an interesting thing there too. Genesis. Uh, remember that. Uh, God is making a covenant with Abraham. Remember also the things that Abraham did that we, we know they were not right. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Remember that he's speaking to us the same thing. I am your shield. Isn't that good? He is our shield. It's also a, a great reward. I, I think if we see this will cure us from trying to find reward somewhere else. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So uh, his answer is uh, God is speaking here and he's down here and he answers down here. He says, How is that going to work out seeing that I don't have anybody? I'm afraid I have said that before, not knowing what really God was telling me. Not, not discerning what was happening because I, I saw my natural state and I answered accordingly. Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. That's as far as he could see. He couldn't see any, any more than that. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look now toward heaven, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall the descendants be. And so, sometimes we can't see anything and the Lord comes out and says, look look at that. And we look (laughs) out and then we hear the voice say, that's going to be the answer. And we cannot see that. He couldn't see that. Can you imagine, he does not have one single son, one single daughter, and and he's telling him, you are going to have hundreds, thousands of descendants before we're too harsh with him. I wouldn't believe that either. Sometimes, I don't believe that either. And so, I, and he believed in the Lord, and he accounted him to him for righteousness. So, just by believing, he became righteous. Do we believe in that? I don't know what state you're in. I don't know. I don't care what condition you're in. If you believe, it says here, you're righteous. Is that true? Paul is going to speak a lot more about that verse. but the fact is that believing makes us righteous. Then he said to him, "I'm the Lord who brought you uh, listen to here, I am the Lord who brought you out of of the Chaldeans to give you this land to inherit it so When he tells us that in the book of Hebrews that he told Abraham and Abraham went, believe it, now God is telling us that he didn't do it. That God did it. Is that true of your journey? At least about this journey, this part of the journey, I can say I didn't do it. Yeah. That I'm sure of. You know, most of the time you have a, they ask you, or you, or we, we've been taught, you have a leading, right? And then you submit the leading. And then people discern the leading, you confirm the leading through vision. So dreams or whatever. I didn't do any of that. I, I wasn't even, I didn't even know I had a leading. I didn't even know I was being led. How do you explain that? My father, when I, when I went to uh, Mississippi, and this is a true fact, this is not a story, but, <coughs> I was in Mexico City I think I told you that before and I was asked by the ministry there at the at the church to go to this convention and take this minister there. Which it turned out it was Brother Eldred Linden. We were living in a an apartment complex and we're in the fourth floor. And so when I, I told my parents, I'll be back, I think it was a Thursday, I said I'll be back Monday. I was going to the northern parts of the country. I was uh, 16, no. I was uh, 20 maybe, 19, somewhere on there, I can't remember. But when I'm going down the stairs, I, I cannot say I, I heard a word, but I had this feeling that I had to go back up and get my passport. But I thought, but why? I'm not going anywhere but to this area. But, so I go out, I go back up, go into my room and get my passport and my father saw me, got a passport on my pocket and left. Well, when I was at this city, and brother Frank Lopez was there and he said, I think you're going to go with us. And I said, where are we going? He said, we're going to Lovington, New Mexico, and then we're going to Lava Convention. And, and I said, I can't, brother Frank. Well, make a long story short, I ended up going but the only way to cross the border was with my passport. So my father always thought always thought that I had a plan. And I did not tell him about it. And the proof the evidence was that I went back up to pick up a passport. Now how do you explain to him that there was not a plan? I was to him that I had no idea, no idea that I was not going to see them for years after that. I don't remember when I went back to visit. I think when I got, no, before I got married, I went once, I think. And so in his mind, I had a plan because I took my passport. So I knew I was going to cross the border into the States and I was going to leave. But how do you explain to him that that was not the case? How do you explain that when I was going down, I have this feeling that I have to go and get it? And I did not understand why. How do you explain that? You can't. And so here's Abraham. And, his, and he said, Lord God, how shall I know that I will inherit it? So he said to him, and he tells him to bring all these things, to cut them in half and to put, place them opposite to earth to, from one to another. And then he said that uh, now when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. And then he tells him what's going to happen hundreds of years after that. You see, he doesn't have an heir yet, and now he's telling him that his heirs are going to become slaves. And so I don't understand all of that, but he tells us also that they're going to be, uh, they're going to be uh, released from uh, slavery. And then he says, uh, 17th verse, and it came to pass when the sun went down and it was dark that behold, there appeared a smoking oven and a burning torch that passed between those pieces. Now, I read that in all times, when you wanted to make a covenant with somebody, this is what they did. They get an animal, they cut it in half, and then both of them, the two, two of them would go, would go right in the middle, they walk back and forth to seal the covenant. And by doing that, they are saying, this will happen to any of us that will break that covenant. But you notice something there? Abraham is not walking through the pieces. He's not doing it. Who's doing it? Hmm? Who's the one that is making the covenant? It's God. Abraham is not there. He's not, he's not committing to anything. He's just watching. Am I right on that? God is the one that is making the covenant and he's just there. Well, at least he was there. So, at times, I'm only being there. I'm not committed to anything, I'm just there. But he is serious about it. And so it could be, it could be that right now, I'm not serious about it, but I'm here. He is the one making the covenant I'm there because if you read his history, you couldn't conclude that he was serious about it. I mean, a liar, can he be serious? Somebody that loves his life so much that he's going to lie about it to keep it. But once again, the Lord didn't care about that. He knew what was going to happen with that man. And so we have to be encouraged about that. Not only about us, but also about our brothers. We all face the same thing. We all sometimes act like we don't care about it. The Lord doesn't get surprised. He said, I'll wait. They'll come around. Finally, they will realize they've been led, and they'll say, yes, Lord. And so, he said that uh, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river Egypt to the great river. And so he tells him what the promise is. And so the one that is... uh, doing the covenant is himself. Now there's another section here. 17th chapter. When Abram was 99 years old, so you see the journey keeps going. And when he's 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I'm almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. And I will make a covenant between me and you I will multiply you exceedingly. Now remember, he doesn't have a son yet. Then Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you and you shall be a father of many many nations. And so, Ninth verse, And God said to Abraham, As for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants are after you throughout their generations. This is my covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male shall among you shall be circumcised. And he says this is going to happen when they're eight years old, uh, eight days old. And so God is promising this, and the only thing he's asking him is a physical sign. And he's going to do it when the child is eight days old. Now at that age, can you sign a covenant? We have a four-month-old grandchild, not eight days, but four months, but she's not aware of anything that we had just read. So it was just a physical sign that they were going to do before they were aware of what the sign meant. And so not wanting to get into what that sign means, let's say that it's just a physical sign. That's all it is. And so if we remain there with a physical sign of the covenant, it's not going to do us any good. And how many physical signs we have, and we think we're signing the covenant when he's saying that at any <coughs> ADO can do it. Well, what's happening is that the sign speaking of something else. You cannot remain in the physical aspect of it because anybody can do that as it was proven. Anybody was born eight days, do the circumcision, and that's it. They was it. Jeremiah 31. Now this is uh, hundreds of years after what we just read. 31, 31. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand. Listen to that. I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant which they broke, Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. And this is the covenant. I will put my law in their minds. And write it on their hearts. And so, that's what we are going through. Is writing that minds, right in our minds, writing that in our hearts. No longer a physical sign, no longer a physical uh, <coughs> outward work. And we have to realize that there's a tendency to stay in the physical area of the covenant. To believe that if we have a, a good order, if we have this, the other, then we're fulfilling the, our part. And it is not so. I suspect through many things i go through, that sometimes he really doesn't care about what the outside looks like, yeah. because that could be deceiving. He wants to to see what's in there. You know, you are the only one that knows what's in there. I'm the only one that knows what's in here. I can see you and try to guess by your outward appearance, whether you're serious or not. And I missed it because I don't know what's inside. God knows what's inside. Mm -hmm. Now obviously, eventually, what's inside is going to be seen in the outside, but it will be a different thing. And so he said, "I, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts, and I will be their God and they shall be my people. And then uh, in Ezekiel 11.19, so all these prophets are pointing out to, to this time. Ezekiel 11.19, he says, Then I will give them one heart, and I will put a new spirit within them and take the stony heart and all their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And listen. For what? That they might walk in my statutes and keep my judgments and do them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. And so that what he's doing is taking out this stony heart, heart, and given us a new yeah. tender heart. And that's exactly what I need and what you need. I don't need any more rules. I don't need any more order in the, I mean, and take that in the proper sense. I don't need any more stone things. What I need is for this stony heart It's hard, hard. And the only one that can do that is the Lord. There's no other way. No other way. And so then, I will walk in whatever He wants me to walk in. If you've been around the Lord for a while, you'll realize that it is a lot stricter, a lot harder, than any order that is around. Because he knows you hard. And so when you and I are going to watch something that is not what he wants us to do, if we're sensitive, he will tell you. He will speak to you. And you might be keeping the order, but not his order. Because his order is tailored to the needs in your heart. And they're all different. What I need is not what you need. Do you realize that? What you need is not what I need because we are not in the same place at the same time. That's why washing flax was okay for the time. <laughs> and a lot of us have done that. But as the heart has been changed then you realize, oh, I guess it was not what I thought. Yet you couldn't do otherwise. We have to have done those things at that time. And so he said that. uh, Anyway, that's what the journey is calling for. It's after our hearts. and So let us not judge each other. Let us pray for each other. Let us not try to change the outside. Let us not trust the outside. There is not trust that outside signals are, are something that don't trust the prosperity either. You know, in a way, it's not a sign of the Lord's blessing. It's a sign of your, of your hard work, of your diligence, or your commitment to, to do those things. Because if it was a sign of the Lord's blessing, then any rich American has been blessed by God. And that's not the case. It's a sign that God has given us what we have in order to reach our hearts. Now it's also, not very uh, uh, proper or fair, that Adele and I come at this time when you are (laughs) prosperous. We haven't paid the price. We just come to enjoy your work. We didn't work for it. It could be seen as, as maybe to our advantage from a third world country. You know, I don't have a history there because I never report anything to the government there. Not because I didn't want to, there was nothing to report. <laughs> and so to them, I don't exist, you know. <laughs> I thought about those things too. I thought, oh, what's happening here? Am I taking advantage of these fellows? <coughs> oh, funny how the Lord works. Yes, you will never guess his work. Don't try to. You'll never know where he's going. And so we trust that when, as the years go by, he keeps working in our hearts. He's going to take us to places you never dream of. Sure. Not physically speaking. Spiritually speaking. You, you and I would be at a place where we can only say, the Lord brought me here. Yeah. God. Yeah. God bless you. Yeah.
3: Well, I'd like to just say a, maybe a word of confirmation here. Um,
2: <laughs>
3: some time ago, um, one of the young men here came up and said, uh, Brother John, why did you leave Eagle Ridge? And I remember, I don't think I answered it right away, or I gave a kind of a less than thoughtful answer. But I thought about that a little bit, and I went back to this person, and I said, well, I didn't leave Eagle Ridge. I came back here. Um, And you know, this brother gave such a wonderful, picture when he went down he talked to the people that he loved and he'd worked with all those years since 1991 which by the way was the same year that we bought the land that became Evil Ridge those things were going on 4,000 miles away at the same time so we didn't leave Whitestone, either. In 1992 or three, we went to the Creek. <coughs> so here's the thing, young people. There's a difference between leaving and going. There's a huge difference. And you know, I'm looking out here and, and a, five years from now, if I'm still here and I look here, it might be different. There might be people who weren't here today or here now and people who were and, and, and it's the same as five years ago. How many people have been through here? I, mean, I think Brother Bill one time he, he, had, a, he had a list. Did, didn't he have a, how many kids were born here and some are here and some aren't? Well, here's the question. If you're thinking and going through the thought process and the prayer process that was just given to you about what is God saying about today and what what should I be doing, and you're thinking about making a move, some of you we, we know are moving in June. Are you leaving, or are you going? Consider that.
4: With all, thank you, John. Due respect, I want to correct two things. I wrote him down. It's not true that Abelardo is ending his journey here. but This is the end of his journey. We very much appreciate the journey that he's in to bring us up higher. Um, I don't see this as the end of his journey. And the fact that he says that he doesn't deserve the benefits of this. The truth is, we don't deserve them. Just the the life that has been sacrificed and given, maybe not here, but that is not what it's about. It's about the life of God that they poured out so that we reap the benefit our life is enhanced and grown because of the sacrifices they made. So that's not true, level.
2: <laughs> Please don't
4: say that again. <laughs> Humbly, I say that. I hope you are convicted and moved by the depth of the word, and I've allowed it today. What came through was very deep and some things to take with you and really uh, consider. I was thinking it's been said really well, but the, when the disciples were having their best moment up on top of the mountain, remember that scenario where Peter, John and James are out there. And to them, this is a great. They wake up. They've been asleep. They wake up and see Jesus being ministered by Moses and Elias, and um, you know that that was probably the height of their whole walk, right? They're so excited about it. I don't think it was so exciting for Jesus. He was being told what was ahead, yeah. but somehow they hadn't seen that. But the tendency <coughs> was to want to stay, right? Yeah. Peter goes to Jesus and says, this is a really good thing. Let's, let's build tabernacles here, three tabernacles and let's stay here. And funny, the verse there says that Peter didn't know what he was talking about. So it's good to say less. Um, and while he was still speaking, a dark cloud came and overshadowed them and they were afraid. then a voice came to that cloud and say, this is my beloved son, hear him, hear him. Don't stay where you think. Might have been a great place, might have been a good thing. But you gotta hear that voice, even in that dark place. Because that voice is gonna lead you to where God wants you to be. Not to that place of Whatever you think you found, that will get old and will become an <laughs> idol and will bring death eventually if you stay with that. But if you hear Him, God is faithful to bring us forward every day. Amen. Amen. Let's just uh, take a moment. I, I feel this is very, uh, just a deep word and convicted by it. Maybe we could take a moment bow our heads and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts specifically individually. Thank you, Lord, for the example of the life that you gave us tonight, Lord, to minister to all of us, to our children, to show them how you work through vessels, Lord. I ask you, Lord, to make these words real in our heart, bring them to our mind as we move, we go through our day, Lord, that we would not forget those things that you have spoken to us today, Lord. Thank you for this day, Lord. Be with all those who are traveling, Lord. Be with David. Lord, watch over him, Lord. Minister to him, Lord. Give him the words to speak. That everywhere that he goes, Lord, he would touch your people wherever he may be found, Lord. Thank you for this day. And we go in your name. Amen.